Welcome to the Outside World, the Athletics' new twice-weekly podcast devoted to the Oklahoma Sooners. I'm John Hayes. You will hear me here every week on the show, along with one of the best journalists that I know, Jason Kersey, of course. Uh, if you don't know Jason, he's the Oklahoma beat writer and insider for The Athletic, heading into year two on the beat for the company. He's covered the Sooners, though, since 2012. He won the Football Writers Association Writer of the Year Award in 2016. I took a two-year sabbatical, though, uh, from covering the Sooners to go to Fayetteville, Arkansas, and cover Brett Bielema and the, and the Arkansas Razorbacks. That's where Jason and I got to know each other really well. And by the way, he's a badass all around, too. You can follow him on Twitter at Jason Kersey. And with no further with no further ado, Jason, what's going on, my friend? Well, that was quite the introduction. Thank you, John. I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. It's great to work with you. Yeah, everything's going great. Uh, just, you know, this is always such a fun time of year watching that Florida-Miami game. Kind of got my juices flowing for, for, uh, for what's to come. I'm, I'm so ready to start covering games. Yeah, one thing I've got to ask you, you've been covering Oklahoma now since 2012, and, and there's been a lot of drama with the Sooners, to say the least, especially within the last couple of years. If you had to point out one specific story that really resonates with you, one moment, which one is it? Oh, man, there's so many that I could that I could choose from, but I, I think that, and maybe this is recency bias creeping in, but last year when Mike Stoops was fired, um, it was such a wild week. It was like, you know, after that OU Texas game last year, it was like obviously something needed to happen and Mike Stoops wasn't getting it done, but would Lincoln Riley really do it? And then he did it. And um, so it was pretty shocking. And the, the next few days and then four days later, I'm sitting in a crowded Starbucks in Norman um, interviewing him in an exclusive uh, interview that went really well. And he was very open and honest. And uh, I'll never forget showing up for that interview. Uh, Mike got there before me and he's standing outside Starbucks holding two drinks. I didn't tell him what I wanted, but I'm walking up and he says, uh, here, I got you a soy latte. And I was like, what? A soy latte. Yeah, and I said, that's his, that's his, wait, that's his go-to for no, a, for a guy he doesn't know. Yeah. He said, you seem like a soy latte guy to me, which I thought was pretty, probably a power move on his part. But, um, I don't know if I would take that as a compliment. I, I have never, that's the still to this day, the only time I've ever had a soy latte in my life. I just like coffee, regular coffee, but <laughs> me too. No, whatever. Um, I drank it. It was, it was okay. Um, but I, I, that was always sort of funny, but it ended up being a great interview and you know, I, I, uh, I couldn't believe he agreed to do it, frankly. And that story you did for The Athletic, right? So if yes. you're listening to the show, you can uh, just search Jason's name on The Athletic and find that story in the and, archives. And, yeah, and, and I would say it's even though it was last year, I'd still say it's very relevant because Mike was very open and honest about kind of how things got to the point that they were, that it, that how th all the things that sort of led up to him being fired, uh, the defensive line recruiting, not being able to recapture the magic, not working with Brent Venables this time, all of those things um, I, I think still are relevant today. You're not kidding. I mean, talk about a defense that was putrid, was garbage, Jason, was was terrible, and, and a big reason why a lot of people were – we're saying maybe Ohio State should be the, the fourth team in the college football playoff last year. Uh, the defense stepped up in, in the second half, half against Bama in that, that Orange Bowl. But um, since we're talking defense, yeah. uh, that, that's clearly one of the biggest stories heading into this 2019 campaign. Uh, Lincoln Riley's third year at the helm. 
is the defense going to be better? I just want to ask you that simple question because it can't really get much worse. Yeah, I, it's sort of funny. When you th- when people nationally, I think, think about Oklahoma football, they're going to think the biggest story is Jalen Hurts, which it is from a national standpoint. It might be the biggest story in college football, the fact that this great uh, quarterback who won all these games at Alabama is now at Oklahoma for one season, replacing the two Heisman winners. Um, but f- on a local level, uh, I think the defense is the main is the main story because Lincoln Riley's offense, I think is going to be good. Is Jalen Hurts going to win the Heisman and be the number one overall pick? Probably not, but don't rule it out. You, yeah, you, you, you're right. You're right. You can't rule it out, but I would say prob- it's probably unlikely. Uh, but even if he plays at a fourth round level, OU's offense is still going to be really good as long as Lincoln Riley's there. And we'll get into that later. But um, to me, defense is everything because you look at the last two seasons, Oklahoma, uh, had two of the you know two of the best individual seasons by a quarterback in college football history. Number one draft picks, Heisman Trophy winners, and they have no national championships to show for it. Um, and the defense is the reason, especially two years ago. OU, if they if they find a way to beat Georgia in that Rose Bowl, I think they beat Alabama in the national championship game, and they have that national really? championship. I do. I still think that, and I don't think that's a crazy opinion. I mean, they were right there. They should have won that Georgia game. They were winning by fourteen at halftime. That was an unbelievable game one of the best Rose Bowls I've ever yeah, seen yeah and so um so so defense is everything if Lincoln Riley's offense takes a little dip and they're not the number one offense but the number four offense with Jalen Hurts big deal they're still going to score a lot of points they just cannot afford to continue to play um to play defense the way they played they were one of the worst defenses in the country last year well here's the thing too Jason not only does this defense has to improve, it's it's going to have to improve under the spotlight. This is not a transitional year. Uh, this is not a season where OU is, is just looking to get to do a big-time New Year's Six bowl game. Uh, it wants to get back to the college football playoff. And when I talk about the spotlight, I'm talking about Sunday night. It's a standalone game. It's against Houston, a team uh, with new head coach Dana Holgerson, a team with, with an experienced quarterback that, that maybe could put up some points. Jason. So on Sunday night, when you look at this defense, it's not like they're going to hide at a noon kickoff uh, against an FCS school to start the season. Uh, They're going to be out there for everybody to see. They are. And it's interesting because what what an what a test for for Alex Grinch. What a test to see how much he's really made things better in week one. I mean, it is it is a group of five team, but it's Houston bunch of reasons number one houston beat oklahoma the last time they played three years ago so that's the first thing the second thing is uh they have a great quarterback Derek uh, king is a great quarterback who uh who can move who can throw i'm excited to watch him play and yeah and uh and and furthermore the coach is dana holgerson who never beat oklahoma during his time as either uh oklahoma state's offensive coordinator or west virginia's head coach but he came really close a bunch of times and it was because of the defense it was because of his offense against that defense. I mean, you asked me from earlier for my most memorable moment from the OU beat. Mike Stoops is the one that came to mind, but another big one is the 2012 game in Morgantown when Tavon Austin uh, accounted for something like 550 uh, all-purpose yards and wow. and rushed for 300-something yards in his first game ever playing running back against that. I mean, so Dana Holgerson is smart. He knows uh, the, that personnel. He knows that defense. And uh, so this is not going to be a cakewalk for OU. No, I, I saw the line opened up 
at about minus 24, minus 25, or is it up into the 30s? Um, I'm going to have to double yeah, check on I'm that not, one. I'm not it's sure. It's a huge, yeah. it's a huge line. It's it's a it's a three to four touchdown line. I think that's uh, crazy right now. I think that's crazy. You do? Yeah, I don't think that. I, I that that's way too high. I mean, I think OU's going to win, and they may even win. You know, by a couple, three touchdowns, maybe eventually pull away at the end. Um, but given Dana Holgerson's history against OU, given the fact that Houston has beaten OU in the very recent past. And given all the questions about OU from, um, you know, Jalen Hurts, uh, quarterback, is he going to be able to be as explosive? Uh, they have to replace four offensive linemen. They have to replace a bunch of receivers, including Marquise Brown. And we have no idea what this defense is going to look like. You mentioned a lot of questions, by the way, that I'm going to then get your answers on because I was reading a story earlier today that you wrote for The Athletic uh, about the five questions that you were most uh, thinking of as being most pressing heading in, into camp. And now we're on the back end of, of camp. You mentioned the safety position. You mentioned the offensive line. Those were two two questions that you had. Are there any answers there? I, I know Lincoln Raleigh has singled out a couple guys or, and Alex Grinch at the, at the safety position. But what about the offensive line? Is that unit starting to gel a little bit? Because when you've got four new starters along with a new quarterback, it's a pretty steep learning curve. It is. I mean, and, you know, as far as the safeties go, that that's been basically answered. Uh, Alex Grinch has said his two starting safeties are going to basically are going to be Patrick Fields and Delarian Turner Yell, two sophomores, who he's basically said since the spring have uh, have sort of been head and shoulders above everybody else. And I think that's a good thing on some level because you know who you, you basically know who your starters are going to be. On the other hand, it's a little concerning because OU has about ten guys who I thought could play safety conceivably who were big time recruits, four star recruits who just haven't stepped up. And Alex Grinch basically said, Hey, uh, I, I feel good about the starters, but I don't feel good about the depth. And that's, that's concerning um, for OU. But um, as far as the offensive line goes, you're talking about an offensive line that was according to the Joe Moore award, the best in the country last year. And then they went out and proved it in the NFL draft. They had four, uh, all four of their departed offensive line starters were drafted within the first four rounds uh, of the NFL draft in April. So this is a, this is big. This is big. A couple things about that though. Uh, Creed Humphrey is back at center. If you're going to only be able to bring one guy back, you probably want it to be the center. And so that's true. So that's a good thing. And he's a really good center. So that's good. Um, and Bill Biedenboe is, I think still, if he's not the highest paid, he's one of the highest paid offensive line coaches in the country, and he's that for a reason. He's really good at his job, and he's more than earned the benefit of the doubt in terms of rebuilding this thing. But we still don't know. I mean, we talked to Bill Biedenboe um, last week, and he was not at all clear about who his starters were going to be. He said it was kind of coming into focus. He wasn't going to really tell us who they were going to be, but he said that you know it's kind of starting to come into focus a little bit, but... You never know till the game start. He said the offensive line is such a weird position uh, group because you don't know how good they're going to be till the lights come on and the game start. And also sometimes the putting the five best offensive linemen out there isn't necessarily the way to go. You want to find a group of five who work the best together. And so that may take some time. I mean, I think back to 2015 when uh, OU went to the playoff that year. They played Clemson in the Orange Bowl, but they lost to Texas. Uh, in the regular season and 
and they lost because the offensive line, partly because the offensive line didn't play very well. They shook it up after that game, and then they were dominant the rest of the year. My point is, it may take a few games for him to figure out uh, what the best unit is. So I think people are going to need to be patient with the offensive line. Um, of course, you know that's asking a lot if it costs him a game. Yeah, the the offensive line is one of those topics, Jason. Where if you're a casual fan. And I know we'll have some of those casual Sooner fans listen to the pod, but a lot of diehards listening as well. And, and they know that the offensive line is, is as crucial as a group as there is, especially when you're, when you're talking about elite programs in college football. When if you do get out of the Big 12 and make it into the college football playoff, there's a strong likelihood that you're going up against an SEC front seven with a lot of NFL guys. So you know while you can sit around and talk about Jalen Hurts, at the quarterback position, and you can talk about the skill guys. To me, the key to this season for Oklahoma uh, is that offensive line and, and running back Kennedy Brooks. Uh, here's a guy that you wrote a story on. You broke the news about the Title IX issues that running back Kennedy Brooks was dealing with uh, before and during camp. Where, where is that situation right now? Uh, heading into week one against Houston. It's been, I mean, it's been pretty volatile summer. I mean, Kennedy Brooks is interesting because he was not someone that was playing much early last season, kind of broke out midway through the year, ended up rushing for a thousand yards, uh, being OU's leading rusher. And then in the summer, you know, he, he had this title nine complaint filed against him. He was suspended while that played out. He was cleared in that investigation. The police have never been involved. This has always been, um, just an, an, an issue that OU looked at and they cleared him. Um, there was a little bit of additional, um, I, I don't know if drama is the right word, but a little bit of additional uh, news made when his accuser went on Twitter and uh, posted a lengthy thread sort of detailing her allegations. Um, but nothing really has come of it since then. Again, the police have never been involved. Uh, OU has stood by its investigation. So um, the only question is, is if he was set back at all by missing summer workouts, you know, there are probably a lot of people who would think, well, you know, he's Kennedy Brooks. He's already played a lot. He uh, is an established guy in this offense. He doesn't need summer workouts the way some maybe some of the younger guys do. But I, I don't know that I agree with that if, if, you know, because I think that, you know, the Oklahoma running back room is deep. Uh, they're very excited about some of their youngsters that they have. Marcus Major, uh, uh, Ramondre Stevenson, two newcomers that have really been impressive. TJ Pledger is back, who was uh, a four-star recruit himself. So you're looking uh, at a room, and then obviously there's Trey Sermon, who was the second leading rusher barely last season. They Brooks and Sermon were really good together. So you're looking at a situation where Kennedy Brooks could find himself squeezed out or at least have his role lessened if he didn't take the summer seriously on his own, if he didn't come back in shape. Um, Lincoln Riley admitted a few weeks ago that maybe Brooks was set back a little bit, maybe a little rusty. Uh, Brooks himself actually came into the to the media room um, last week, didn't address any of the Title IX issues, but he did. Uh, he said that he never felt like he was behind. So we'll have to wait and see. I'm very interested to see how those running back carries are split up the first few games because if Brooks isn't playing much, that means that the coaches aren't comfortable putting him out there, and that would have to mean that the summer uh, set him back. An interesting underlying story that, that we're going to be keeping our eye on Sunday night against Houston while – you can bet all the, the ESPN television cameras are going to be focused on one man and one man only, and that's Jalen Hurts uh, because of his legendary career at Alabama, because of his now uh, his his opportunity to win a Heisman Trophy at Oklahoma for, for the third straight season. Do you think that puts any undue pressure or undeserved pressure 
on Jalen Hurts because Baker and, and and because Kyler won the Heisman the last couple of years? Do you think it'd be better off if maybe that didn't happen for a guy like Jalen Hurts who, who's transferring into the program and trying to improve an area of his game that's kind of weak, and that's the passing game? Yeah, I mean – it was going to be unbelievable pressure for whoever took over, whether it was uh, Tanner Mordecai, whether it was Austin Kendall, you know, if he ended up not transferring to West Virginia and he won the job. And he got the starting job over he there did. at West he Virginia, is. Austin Kendall, right? Yes, he is going to be the starter, which will be, make for a really interesting story when they play in Norman later this year. But, uh, but it was going to be high pressure on whoever it was. So from that perspective, I mean, you're talking about not only the last two Heisman winners, but the last two number one overall draft picks in the NFL. I mean, this is unbelievable pressure for whoever was going to come in. From that perspective, I think Jalen Hurts was kind of perfect because this is a guy who's used to pressure. I mean, he was Alabama's starting quarterback for 28 games. He was 26-2 and two in those games. Yeah, he's played in three national championship games. Um, he's been through what was probably a very embarrassing benching during a national championship game. And he, and he uh, came back, um, you know, and, and handled that by, you know, everyone's account better than anyone could have imagined. Um, and, you know, you look at what happened in last year's SEC championship game. He has to come off the bench when Tua Tagovailoa gets hurt. He comes in and leads them back to victory, throwing the ball much better than anyone expected him to. So Jalen Hurts is a guy who is it seems to be used to pressure, has been good under pressure. I mean, I think about his freshman year, the national title game. A lot of people, you know, have said, and, and, and maybe it's true that his passing, his, you know, his uh, limitations in that game, uh, that Clemson, first Clemson national champ, I guess it was the first Clemson, second Clemson national championship game. I'm sorry. I'm losing my mind. His freshman year, 2007. There's, there's so many national yeah. championship games between Clemson yeah. and Alabama, yeah. Jason. It's hard to keep him straight yeah. at this point. But the one that Jalen Hurts started and finished, the, the, uh, the, uh, his freshman year. I mean, Alabama didn't – I don't think they lost that game because of him. They lost the game because no, of their – He had the game-winning touchdown yes, drive. He did. He, he, he ran it down the field and, and did an incredible job. He so, had a chance as a true freshman, really, to, to have that moment. Yeah, and he did, and he thrived, and then the defense gave up the touchdown. There was that, you know, maybe right. they should have called pass interference. Maybe they shouldn't have whatever. No, give me a break. Uh, that's a nice little move uh, by Hunter Renfro. Yeah, I, I'm just saying. There are people – you know, whatever – uh, that's been debated, but my point <laughs> my point is is that Jalen Hurts. I mean, that was as a true fr- as an eighteen or nineteen year old, whatever he was, true freshman in the national championship game, had taken them down and scored what should have been the game winning touchdown. That's pretty incredible pressure, and he's three years older now. He, he's a great talent, and and he's he's a reason why I'm so excited, Jason, to be joining you on this podcast for the season. Uh, if, if you don't know me and my background, I spent the last six years at the SEC Network on the Paul Feinbaum show and, and Jalen Hurts, as you can imagine, is somebody that we, we covered closely. We really got to know the guy. And, and I can tell you um, from, from my firsthand experience that uh, his reputation is deserved. I mean, he's, a, he's about as, as classy as a kid and, and about as smart as a kid as you'll find uh, really in college football. What's the, now, with you being around the program on a daily basis in Norman, like, how does he compare off the field, like intellectually, when he's talking to the media compared to Baker and compared to Kyler. 
You know, all three of them are very different. You know, you can say that about them in a lot of ways. They're they're different quarterbacks. Um, Baker was a little bit more of a, a somewhat athletic pocket passer. Kyler had a great arm, but also rushed for a thousand yards and and was you know basically a slot receiver back there uh, at the quarterback position. And Jalen's a little bit more of a you know kind of big running back back there. So they're all different quarterbacks, but they're all different people too. I mean, Baker. We all know about Baker. We've seen his, you know, his uh, his war with Colin Cowherd. We've seen uh, the way that he uh, basically invents enemies for himself, uh, sometimes out of thin air, to uh, to help motivate him. Um, we've seen the way that you know he was the uh, unrecruited two-time walk-on who went on to be the Heisman winner and the number one draft pick, who is now somehow the great hope of the Cleveland Browns. Um, and then you've got Kyler Murray, who was the five-star phenom out of high school who, um, you know, but also kind of always has been skeptical of the media. Kyler didn't particularly love talking to the media. He wasn't, uh, you know, he, he was maybe skeptical. He didn't thrive on, on, you know, creating enemies for himself quite the way that I, I think did. Jason, he had the worst radio interview of all time. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, with, uh, with, uh, with, um, with Dan Patrick. Is that the one? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Leading yeah. up to the draft. It was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. Um, so, I mean, so there's there's Kyler, and now you have Jalen, who uh, is is pretty charismatic, I think, with the media. But he also sometimes, like last week, he didn't seem like he particularly wanted to be there. He made us wait for a long time while we were all sitting there waiting for him. Uh, and when he came gotcha. in, a lot of his answers were sort of coach speak. He's very much a coach. I mean, he's they've called him an old soul a lot of times. And you know, you listen to him, a lot of the answers were stacking good days on good days. You might as well have been talking to Nick Saban in there. That's <laughs> literally exactly yeah, what yeah. I was saying. Do you know where he's been for the last four years? Right. Um, but then there are these little moments when he sort of lets you lets you see his personality. I mean, last week um, at one point, in response to actually a question I asked, he said uh, that he wants to be the coffee bean. And, you know, in a pot of boiling water, the egg hardens up, the carrot gets soft, and the coffee bean spreads and affects everything around it. And that's what he wants to be, uh, which I thought. Wow, what an analogy. Yeah, but he, and he, you know, he had heard that from a guest speaker that had come to OU a few days earlier, a guest speaker named Damon West, a guy who uh, learned that while he was in prison. Um, from a fellow inmate about how to handle prison life. And Jalen had heard him, he, was a, uh, he had heard Damon West speak at Alabama a few years earlier and saw him again uh, a few days before he talked to us in Norman. And I talked to Damon West and he said Jalen Hurts was right there in the front of the room taking notes. And, and that's just kind of how he is. So it's a very interesting personality. And uh, I'm really interested to sort of dive more into that. Because I'll tell you the other thing, and you would know this from, from your time dealing with him and working at the SEC Network. The thing that I think is maybe the most fascinating about Jalen Hurts is that he's the only quarterback that I can remember who it feels like a lot of times a, a, a quarterback leaves a program and transfers. And sometimes it's like, ah, you know, good, the fans are like, ah, you know, good luck, whatever, who cares? Sometimes they're very, very indifferent about it. Sometimes they outright want that quarterback to not succeed. Alabama fans still adore Jalen Hurts, um, just completely adore him. And I think that's very interesting and something I'll actually be sort of exploring more uh, in an article this week. Yeah, what can we expect from you this week? I know you and I have talked briefly about your plans to, to really dive deep into Jalen Hurts. Uh, what what can readers expect uh, on the athletic? Yeah, well, you know, we're going into year two. Um, sort of, it's been sort of a fun. Uh, the thing about the athletic that I love, you know, it's it's still so new that we can experiment, we can try things out, see how things work, see how people like things. I mean, you know, this weekend I've rolled out some offensive and. De- 
defensive projected depth charts. Um, we have obviously the Jalen Hurts story I mentioned coming later in the week where I'm going to really dive into his relationship with the University of Alabama and his legacy there and, and the way he's a very unique quarterback. Um, but, you know, we'll also have – I started doing a weekly notes column that people have really responded well to. That'll It's been running on Fridays. We're going to start running it on Thursdays starting this week. Um, that sort of allows me to get a lot of things into one thing and, and be kind of conversational. We'll react to Lincoln Riley's press conference conference tomorrow um we we got some we've got some pretty cool things planned for the whole season i'm really looking forward to uh to year two here on the ou beat at the athletic uh, that's fantastic you can expect that uh on a weekly basis great work journalistic work uh from jason jason covering your oklahoma sooners uh and by the way if you're not a subscriber to the athletic quite yet do yourself a favor and go to the athletic.com slash the outside world uh, you can visit that link and receive 40% off an, an annual subscription. Not a bad deal for hanging out with us for 30 minutes here and listening to the show, Jason. No, absolutely not. And yeah, we're going we're gonna to have, I guess, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, John, you know these details better than me, but we're going to have this podcast, the early week podcast, sort of available to everyone. But that second one we do later in the week will we'll be available to subscribers. And, and we really hope that it's worth uh, you guys uh, uh, buying a subscription because you don't only get – it's not just me. Uh, you also get if you're a if you're a fan of the uh, Detroit Tigers, we got great Detroit Tigers coverage. We've got great uh, UK soccer coverage now. So the Athletic has grown. I I, I laugh about it, John. When Stuart Mandel called me uh, and asked me to join the Athletic, um, geez, I guess it's been a little over two years ago. I was so skeptical about whether this would work, about whether I was making the right decision. And man, I'm so glad I work here. All you have to do is go to theathletic.com slash the outside world and you can get that great content on a weekly basis. And by the way, I echo Jason's statements. Uh, I'm a fan of, of Philadelphia sports. I was born and raised there. Uh, Jason, I have an English Premier League squad as well. I graduated from Penn State University. I love to follow the SEC programs and I can get it all uh, on the athletic. So if you are an eclectic sports fan uh, like myself and and you've got interest in things, not only uh, different sports across our country, but across the world now, uh, you can get some really solid bang for your buck on the athletic. Remember, just go to theathletic.com slash the outside world. And you're right, Jason, we'll do a subscriber only show uh, the second day of the week. Um, the second show of the week, I should say, uh, on a weekly basis. So you're going to want to subscribe to hear that exclusive content. Uh, I'm not going to let you go, Jason, on, on our first show together without doing the prerequisite uh, that exists before every college football season. And, and do you know what that is, my friend? Predictions? Maybe? Predictions, yes. yes. Okay. Taking a look at the schedule. You've got to look at the schedule. We've got to get you on the record here today. <laughs> and one thing that you're going to get with me all the time, Jason, is you're going to get odds talk. And I nailed that line, by the way, earlier in the show. Uh, Houston is a 24.5-point underdog. I think that's too high. Uh, against Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, I'm liking the points right now myself. I think that I might, might grab those 24.5. But if you're looking big picture – Jason, and you're looking at the season win total that's listed for Oklahoma um, on the Vegas books. It's ten and a half. Can Oklahoma go eleven and one? That's the record, or twelve and zero? That's the record to cash in on that over ten and a half bet. I, I think the schedule is good. I, I think it's difficult uh, because of Houston and because of UCLA and because of that that nine game conference schedule in the Big Twelve. 
but but where do you stand on this schedule right now? Where do you think uh, this team can finish at the end of the year? Do you think they can beat Texas again? Oh man, I mean that's sort of the big question. I you know I love the schedule because in September you have again Houston, which we've already talked about why that's challenging. UCLA to me is I, I don't think UCLA is as challenging as Houston for a bunch of reasons. I don't think UCLA is there yet with Chip Kelly. At the same time, it is a big road game. It's it's in right. an unusual, uh, an unfamiliar place. And Chip Kelly is an offensive genius. Let's not forget that. So, uh, so Jason, you don't want the you don't want the defense going uh, out to Los Angeles uh, week three, uh, not really gelling and getting Chip uh, the Chip Kelly treatment, which is forty plus points. Yeah. So that that's concerning. Texas Tech late in September is tough. Texas is obviously the big question. Maybe in the Big Twelve is is Texas back? We have that conversation every year. Um, I'm not going to believe it till I, I see I it. Can't, uh, Jason, um, I honestly cannot believe that the phrase "Is Texas back?" made it into our first podcast. Well, you know, it has on, to. this is an OU show. It has to. It has to. We're talk- You asked me, are they going to win? I'm telling you, <laughs> that's the big question. Are they back now? They could maybe win the first one. Will they win both of them if they if they uh, play again in the Big Twelve title game? I I'll tell you the games that I'm maybe the most interested in are some of the games in November. You have to play at Baylor. Think about this. OU has not... When I was growing up in Noble, Oklahoma, uh, Baylor was the easy game every year. They would win that game by 50 most years. Very easy. Whether it was in Norman or in Waco, that was a gimme game. Um, That's not the case anymore. OU has not won an easy game in Waco since 2010. Even uh, two years ago... Uh, OU goes down to Baylor. That was a year that Baylor went one and eleven, and they almost lost. That was Baker Mayfield's Heisman season, and Baylor went one and eleven, and OU still almost lost. And Baylor, I think, is going to be pretty good this year. So that's a tough game. Iowa State. The last time Iowa State came to Norman, they beat OU. I think they're going to be pretty good this year. And then obviously the Bedlam game in Stillwater uh, isn't a gimme by any stretch. So there's a lot of interesting games on the schedule this year. But as far as my prediction, I think they win the big 12 again. And I think they go back to the playoff. And the reason I think that is because they've won the big 12, four years in a row. And we're at the point now where somebody's got to beat them before I'm going to pick against them. They've won it so much, so often throughout the last 20 years, and especially the last four until someone else wins it. I think it's crazy to pick anybody else. And I think they get back to the playoff because I don't have any faith that the PAC 12 is going to get to the playoffs. So I think OU's got a path. Is it 11 and one or is it 12 and zero? because we know a two loss team isn't making it. to the college I'm going to say, playoffs. I'm going to say 11 and one. I'll bet they drop one, whether it's Texas, whether it's at Baylor, like I said, I think they drop a game, but I still think they win the big 12 and get back to the playoff. So you heard it here first, take over 10 and a half. The season win total for the Oklahoma Sooners. Jason, uh, you and I are in agreement. This this could be a fun ride on the show throughout the season because I think Oklahoma's got a chance to get back to the college football playoff as well. Uh, that's my preseason prediction as well. That's all the time that we have for today. I will say there's rumors that a special guest co-host will be joining you later this week on the pod. Have you heard anything about that? I can't confirm nor deny that, John. All right. Well, I guess we'll just have to, <laughs> to, to wait and see. Uh, this first episode has, has been a blast, Jason. I, I can't believe that, that I have the opportunity to, to chat with you on a weekly basis, reacting to the OU Sooners game. Uh, what a fun show this is going to be. We're going we're gonna to make sure, Jason, that we're keeping it real, too. Absolutely. Got to keep it real for, for the fans. I can count on you to do that, right? Without a doubt, man. Absolutely. Absolutely.